Welcome back, listeners, to another exciting episode of Whisper in the Wings. We have a very special episode today. We have a new kind of artist, uh, or a new show, I should say, to introduce you to. Joining us today, we have David Gao, who is the producer, director, and actor of a new web series called The Lip Sync Fables. David, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Andrew. I've been a fan of yours from afar, so I'm excited to be a part of this and uh, actually see your face. (laughs) Put Put a face to your name. Nice to meet you. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I uh, it was great to uh, speak with you uh, previously. It was uh, when you reached out. I was kind of like uh, a web series. I don't hmm. And then I thought, you know what? Yeah, let's go for it. I want to hear more. You know, um, it sounds very interesting. So why don't you tell our listeners a bit about your show? Okay, so the fastest way to explain it if you get this reference is it's a similar format to drunk history on comedy central. Yeah. If you, if you, if you don't know drunk history, you should go watch it. But the premise of drunk history is they get a historian or an expert on a topic and they get them legitimately drunk hammered. And they say, tell us about, let's say it's Harriet Tubman. And the person says, all right, so Harriet Tubman's like, yeah, we're not going to be slaves. Let's go. And whatever they say, whatever comes out of their mouth, they then recreate and bring to life. And they have actors act out the stories and lip sync whatever the historian said. So my series is a similar format, but there's no drinking involved because it's with kids. And the format is it's kids reading to me original bedtime stories that they have written and, you know, because of their age and the content, they're often hilarious of, you know, once upon a time, the princess and the tiger said, wait, oh, wait, I, I skipped a page. Um, they, 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 you know, whatever it is. And then whatever they have, that is our script. And then I brought to life with a bunch of New York's best actors dressing up like the characters in the story, telling the story and lip syncing to what the kids say. <laughs> oh, my God, this is amazing. Oh my God, this is amazing. I, the minute you just said drunk history, I was like, I'm all on board. I'm invested. Now you've tied it to children's stories and you've done it so. in the best way. It's not like the perfectly polished. It's the, the mic is on and we're not going to stop everything. Just get everything no. you say. And, and, and we do not, if there's a mistake, it's a gift. We leave it all in. We have a, we, we, Unfortunately, do not sort of clean up the performance. Whatever the kids say, that's what we produce. Yes. Oh my God, this is incredible. So how did you come up with the show? It's actually funny because I got the idea here. Okay, so as we're doing this um, interview, I'm at Shakespeare and Company right now, the theater doing this show. And I got the idea actually here in 2019. Um, the theater was doing a new play festival and um, it was a bunch of actors doing stage readings or 10 minute performances of the new plays. And this five-year-old girl wrote a play that was then acted out by professional, unbelievable Shakespearean actors that were adults. And when it started, it was hilarious. And then towards the end, I actually was shocked that I was moved by it. Like I was crying because I, I was like, it's so cool to see adults empower a kid's story and bring it to life so i thought okay i want to see a lot more of that how do we make that happen and then i just sort of started to snowball of 
you know, I've, I've previously produced a bunch of theater in the past and it's a much harder ask to get an actor to come and do a seven week process or whatever the run is. But if I say to actors, Hey, can you just come for three hours and memorize these few lines to lip sync? Then it's sort of an easy ask and I have access to more people. Um, and so then we were off and running with the idea and, um, it, it, it was, it ended up sort of our creation was my experience of what I saw with that original play of like, it's hilarious and sort of empowering. And sometimes I'm moved by it. That's fantastic. What a, that, what a way to get inspired too. I love that a five-year-old wrote a play and everyone got behind it. That's more of that. That's what we need more of. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because her parents are here and I've been too nervous to tell them like, by the way, your daughter Sadie inspired me, but before I leave, I ha- I'm going to force myself to <laughs> like just drop a note or on a letter or We'll see how brave. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. What was it like developing the show? So I did it in two parts. So the first part was in 2020 during the pandemic when. We'd been in it for a while and I was just starved to make something creative. And um, I'm originally from Houston, Texas, and I would say I had more access to kids there just because I know more families there that had kids. And so I put out feelers to kids and I said, hey, do you want to be a part of this story? And so we filmed for two days. I did 10 kids one day, 10 kids the other day. We just set up two cameras, one of me in the bed and one of the chair for the kid. And every time we got a new kid, I would go change into a different set of pajamas and then we would just go. And um, if we needed to, I would wear a mask while the kid told the story and then we would switch and the camera would be on me and they would wear a mask. And I would say to the kid, okay, read the story all the way through and we would just get a clean take of that. And then I would say, okay, and then you're gonna read it a second time and I'm gonna ask you a bunch of really annoying questions. Where then if the kid was ever said something that was nonsense in the story, I could poke holes in it and be like, what? No, you just said that it was raining. What are you talking about? And then the kid and I had this like banter and some of them let me have it and would argue with me, which I think are the best moments in the show. So I did it with the kids in two days. We did 20 kids. And then um, I would hope to do more. Hopefully I can get to a season two, but I picked six episodes and I thought, okay, let me film the six first. And then I came back to New York and um, I, you know, doing it on a budget, we didn't fundraise for this. I would do two episodes in a day. So I filmed the whole series in New York in three days. And then it was just, you know, many, many trips to Party City, getting various random wigs and costumes and props and wands and brooms and everything. And then sending preposterous emails to you know the deputies of the park and different parks in new york asking if we could film and please don't be alarmed when you see you know a princess and a fairy in a fight to the death um and then we, <laughs> we just made it happen and and you know as always the editing process took way longer than the filming process but um i mean we did the whole thing pretty much on a micro budget and i think part of it is because all of my acting community also was very starved to make something too. Again, it was the pandemic. And so not only was that useful to me that I got everybody to agree to be ridiculous, um, 
but just on set, it felt like a reunion of like, oh my gosh, we're back in a community together of artists making something again. Yes. And it was very, very special. Yes. I love that. So is there a message or a thought you're hoping audiences take away from this? I go back and forth on this because on the one hand, it is very my sense of humor and it's my peers sense of humor. And so on, on that end, I want them to just be really entertained because I find it very funny. The second element of it is I hope people appreciate the level of brilliance that that's bring in this, you know, there's episode that's the next one that's about to come out where a kid says that there's a brother bear and a sister bear and one wants to fight and one wants to dance. And the mother bear says, why don't you dance fight? So I hired two brilliant performers, um, Maya Abney and Hasi Muhammad. Maya is literally one of the Wakanda Forever shaped head fighters in a Marvel movie. So I have her like with a quarter staff going nuts. And then Hasim does like parkour gymnastics and he had um, like nunchucks. And so to elevate a kid's story with their brilliant talents where they can do anything, I hope people appreciate that. And then I guess the third thing I would say is I did sort of gear this towards um, people who are champions of children's books and authors of children's books. And each episode I feature an author of a children's book. And I'm hoping that teachers will find this and moms and then kids themselves will see that and then be inspired to write their own stories and see how cool it is when you let your imagination run wild. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. Um, I, I think you've kind of answered this, but I'll, I'm going to ask it anyway. How long have you been working on the project? You mentioned that you were inspired in 2019 with that play, and then you started writing in 2020. Is that where you kind of began? Yeah, I think it was like December 2020, January 21st. I think January 21st, we did the, the two-day film with the kids. And then... I filmed the episodes with in New York in April, May, and June. And then because of various projects, it just took forever to continue moving and then editing. And we didn't release it until a year after we finished filming. So in total, I think a year and a half. Okay. And it just came out this year then, right? This is the first season? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. I'm all there now. That's why I was like, wait. You said you might do the second season or you're hoping. And I was confused because I'm like, wait, do you have a second season? Yeah. Can already or? I will. No, I hope. I mean, I have all the kids stories just sort of waiting on ice being ready to like be filmed. But I've only filmed the first season, which is six episodes. And we are halfway through the release. We're releasing one a week right now. So we just started three or four weeks ago releasing the episodes. Who do you hope have access to the show? I hope everyone, I mean, it's all on YouTube and it's checked in a box of like appropriate for kids. It's under, there's a whole like underground YouTube kid mafia that I didn't realize of like a channel, of like all these like kid YouTube videos that now we're sort of like getting access to. It's all completely appropriate. So I hope on YouTube, it's a bunch of kids who are like, this is sort of silly. And then I hope a bunch of my acting friends see that and want to be a part of season two. Um, I'd say it's sort of been a mixed bag of like, you know, you can see the algorithm on YouTube and half of them have been 
I think families in Houston, where I'm from, and the other half have been my acting friends in New York. So it's sort of both, both bubbles right now. That's fantastic. And the minute you said there were like, there's this whole kid mafia thing on YouTube, I was like, please tell me it's not just like Minecraft or Coco Melon. Cause I've got a, I've got a goddaughter who like, that was all she wanted to watch. And her mom was like, whatever you do, please, for the love of God, don't put Coco Melon on. And I was like, I don't know who that is, but that sounds awesome. Like I, I yeah, nine just hours blinders from a lot of you these. do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, there, that this world exists and that you're tapping into it. And you're, I also like that who you're using to, to create this because hopefully that will then lead these, you know, this younger generation to maybe seek out the performing arts and then go, Oh, I recognize so-and-so from this, from this, and you know, go down that route. I hope I, that would be the dream. I mean, the cast is ridiculous. So I, I talked about Maya who's in a literal Wakanda forever superhero. And then we have all these Broadway people like Kennedy Kanagawa and in Into the Woods and Joshua Morgan from Ain't Too Proud, Darius Jordan Lee from Ain't Too Proud, Charles Osborne, who does all these off-Broadway shows, Catherine Cohen, who just had a Netflix special, The Comedian, she's brilliant. Maya has been in Share the Musical. I mean, it's just like an embarrassment of riches. And if you watch it, you will recognize someone in it, which is really fun. I can't wait to see it. I'm excited. Please listen carefully. show we uh not only you know break down and talk about i'll say the shows themselves but we also talk about our experiences in the theater so i want to take this time now to kind of pick your brain a little bit about your experience in the theater um and the first question i want to ask you is what shows in the past have inspired you or um do you just absolutely love and i'll broaden that as well to uh playwrights or composers as well Oh boy, this is going to be like picking children. Okay. <laughs> I've never um, heard that response. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> this is my Sophie's choice. Okay. So uh, I have so many I could say. Um, I had a really profound experience um, in college. I went to the North Carolina School of the Arts and they did a production of Bent, which is about. Um, homosexuals in the Holocaust and concentration camps. And it talked about the pink triangle, which forgive me if I'm ignorant, I didn't even know about it, how that's how they distinguished these are the homosexuals and then the stars were for the Jewish community. And I remember watching that and it was, it's an unbelievably poignant and devastating story. And I sat there and I think it was an epiphany for me of like, oh, this is why theater is important. Because I've heard artists say that before and I kind of thought that it was people being self-indulgent. But I was like, no, not only, I will never be the same after this show. It broke my heart. And I, it's a chapter of history that I just learned about that no one ever mentioned in my education. I'm like, there we go. That is why theater is important. So that was a huge 
aha moment for me. In terms of playwrights, um, I'm a huge Terrence McNally fan. Yes. Um, back in 2018, I did actually produced one of his shows. I produced Where's Tommy Flowers Gone, which he wrote in like 1968. And then my first time here at Shakespeare and Company, I did Mothers and Sons like three months later, which he wrote in like 2016, maybe. And that was a very cool experience of like, feeling like I almost was bookending like his early work and his really recent work and the comparison of the two of, I felt like in the beginning, it was way more like the world building and all over the place. And then as he got older and more experienced, he sort of honed in more on like one idea or thought, both brilliant and both had, you know, the McNally flavor, but completely different was very um, special. And I, I just think he's, as good as it gets, I adore him. I love reading his plays. I love seeing his plays. Uh, I, I saw Mother and, Mothers and Sons on Broadway with Tyne Daly, and I, I it was wonderful. Oh, I'm so it jealous. Was, yeah. It was so good. I and I, I'm guilty. I went to go see Tyne Daly because I was like, Tommy, love her. But his writing is you could you. It's just you know his writing. The minute you hear it you immediately know it's, it's, it's him. And it's so, I mean, that whole play, it's, it's three adults and a kid talking in a living room for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And yet he, he somehow gets across four different generations of perspective on the gay community in the United States. And it's never like preachy. It's just so simple and bare bones, but brilliant because he's brilliant. He's the best. And he uses the communal experience of loss in that show mm. to really get the point across, not just be like, look at it from my point of view, look at it from my point of view. He really drives home the idea that loss is something, no matter who you are, we all experience it. That's a really good way to put it because that is sort of, that shared experience of loss is sort of the gateway of how they open up um, the woman's heart to understanding something that she has not been able to comprehend herself. Mm-hmm. It's when she breaks. It's and, good stuff. My son. And then you just see it. She gets it. But now, cause she hasn't accepted his death and then she does. And it's almost like I've been working on the script for stage whisper for that show. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. No, it. I love that show. I love Terrence McNally's work. The last show I got to see of his was Frankie, Frankie and Johnny and the Claire de Lune. Did um, you see it with Audra McDonald? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, what's his name? Uh, Michael Shannon. Yeah, who I always think is the guy from SNL, the really tall guy. Uh, oh, you think he was? You know who I'm thinking of? Yes. Yes. I literally, when he came on and he started talking, I was like, is that Bill Hader? And my wife was That's like, oh, no. so That's- funny. I've never thought of that before, but you're totally right. Michael Shannon does, yes. He looks like that he- was a beautiful. I mean, I'm I will see Audra McDonald do literally anything. Yes. And that was an incredible show. She's about to do a show in the fall. The right? Ohio State Murders at the new, uh, the newly renamed um the newly mm-hmm. named, renamed James Earl Jones Theater. I don't know what the play is about. They just and they announced this back in the spring that she was doing this play, but now it's official that she's it's in the fall. So I can't wait to see it. I don't. I don't care what it's about. I'm going. Again, I, she can read a phone book, and I'm there. 
Yeah, absolutely. I saw her, the first time I saw her was when she won her sixth Tony for... Um, Emerson's, uh, Audrey, Lady yes. Emerson's Bar and Grill. Late. Yeah. Blew my mind. I knew nothing going into it. I was like, oh, I'm going to hear Audrey sing like Audra. And then it was the most masterful thing. She can do no wrong. She's so good. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So here's my, my very small Audra McDonald story. I had one line on the good fight and she was in the scene and she was like deathly, uh, I shouldn't say deathly. She was very, very sick. I, I don't know what was happening, but she clearly was very sick. And it was one of those magical things where like when they would say cut, they would like bring her slippers and like she would like limp back to her spot and then they put her heels on and they say action. And then it was flawless. You would never know. But we're doing introductions and like everyone in the scene is there. Am I allowed to cuss on this podcast? Yeah, I'm going to edit stuff. So no worries. <laughs> sure. So my line was, I used the F-bomb and my one line was, what the blank did I do? And that's all I said. Um, and I just like walked across in front of her and said that. But when they were doing the introductions, there's like 20 people and they're like, and this is David Gow, blah, blah, blah. And instead of like looking to the whole room to say hi, I just looked right at her and smiled and waved and she smiled and nodded. And I was like, that's all I needed. There was eye contact and she acknowledged me. I can die now. I'm good to go. <laughs> Have you seen any great theater lately that you'd recommend? Okay, well, it was this year, but it has closed. So this is sort of not a great recommendation, but I saw Prayer for the French Republic at City Center and it blew my mind. It was like a combination. It was like a Jewish Angels in America, August Osage County, epic three-act family drama. Yes, and it, it's my favorite thing I saw all year. I just, and I was so sad. I really thought this is going to Broadway this year, but I, it's going to. I hope there's life to it, but. I am completely there with you. That show was amazing. I remember like finding out it was three hours and I was like, okay, another three hour play. But then I was like, Oh my gosh, the, the writing was just so good. I was riveted every second of it. It did not feel, because it's three acts, right? It did yeah. not feel long or tedious. I was so invested in that story. The acting was amazing. The writing was amazing. The monologue that the sister, the political monologue that the sister gives. Um, They're the cafe? Was, yes. And she's talking wow. about how the, the they've given like the burn signs and the Einsteins and all of this. And yet, yep, yep. That incredible one, writing. Yeah. Oh. It, and and then everything David Cromer touches turns to gold right now. He's just He's so the good. director, the hot director right now. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your favorite? Okay. And then if I can throw one more show out. Wait, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. I was just gonna say, and I know this is more, this is more on the nose and um, less obscure, but um, Into the Woods is phenomenal. Yeah. And I can't believe they've gotten that whole cast assembled. Um, and it's just an embarrassment of riches. And so that is my favorite musical I've seen this year. There's rumor that they're just gonna keep the show running and just throw cast members in. And I was like, absolutely go for it. I'll keep coming back. Why not? It's 
It is selling out almost every show. And mm-hmm. I, I read that the, the show is making one or bringing in $1.5 million a night. It's just people are eating it up and they should like the yeah. first Sondheim that they started and mounted since his death. And it's maybe his most commercial one. And the cast is incredible. It's just a win-win. It's so great. And, and it's really, really funny. It's the funniest end of the woods I've seen. Yes. I, the cow is everything. That cow. I've never loved a cow so much in my life. The cow is everything. So he's actually my boyfriend. The puppet? The puppeteer? Yeah. Kennedy, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I follow him on TikTok. I, like when he does the day in the life. And I, oh my God. What a small world. Oh, whenever he's on TikTok, he's and he's like abusing his boyfriend. That's me. I'm like his punch punching bag on TikTok. That's cute. I mean, I'm sorry that you're the punching bag, but that's cute. Well, I your boyfriend is amazing. I think so too. Who knew Milky White would would be such a big part of the show? part about working in the theater oh gosh okay my favorite experiences have went have been when i build something from the ground up and i produce it because i feel like i mean i i produce for the sake of acting it's a means to act and picking a story or character that i want to do but the process of producing where you get to have your hand in every single decision and it's your baby that you sort of raise and create um those are the most artistically fulfilling things where you, you, you cast it and you're, you're acting with your friends and you're like hustling and it's a community to get people to come see what you've made. Those are my most cherished theater experiences. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. I, and, yeah. and credit to you of like your platform gives a voice and outlet for those, you know, off off Broadway shows that really need some love and to get the word out because not everything's into the woods on Broadway. So it's so essential that, that people have platforms like this where you can get the word out, like come see the show that we're really proud of that we worked really hard on, you know? Thank you. Yes. I mean, that's, we want people to support not just big theaters, but small ones too, because there's great work being done everywhere, everywhere and like we had just mentioned some of the best things we've seen not necessarily on broadway you know just a few streets over off broadway um going along with that what is your favorite theater memory okay it would be speaking of kennedy this is actually how we met so okay seven hmm, in 2012 i did the edinburgh fringe festival which is like the most iconic theater atmosphere there is. It's incredible. And while I was there, I found this play called Decky de Zabronco by Douglas Maxwell. And it's a memory play of five kids. And the whole thing takes place on a swing set at a playground. And it's them just running around um, when they're nine, but it's being told by their adult selves. And it sort of talks about the moment they lost their childhood innocence. Very, very fun. 
So that just like locked into my brain. I love this show. They did it outside on an actual swing set. And I was like, I have to do this show in the U.S. at some point. And so in 2019, I produced the show and it was the U.S. premiere of it. And we had to find a theater that had um, high enough ceilings where you, because a lot of the play, a Bronco is where you like kick the swing over the bar. And so we had to have a really tall theater. Anyway, it was a lot of work. Um, Kennedy auditioned for the show and did it. And so that's how we met. And so that show was my favorite theater memory of. It was a show that I found in Scotland. It's sort of stuck with me for seven years. And then I built it from the ground up. I met my boyfriend doing it. And then it, we snuck the show in right before the pandemic. And so while I was very frustrated with the pandemic, I sort of like felt like I could put my suitcase down of we did it. We got it in before. And it just checked all the boxes for me. Of I was really proud of it. We got people to come see it. I was working with actors I just met, actors that I went to college with, actors I know since I was 10. Um, and it felt like sort of like an eight-year journey come to a close. So it's like my prized possession, that show. I love that. We had someone mm-hmm. on uh, just recently who's at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival right now. He has a work there. Um, and I I love that they reached out and, and they wanted, they you know, we, we got an opportunity to talk to him about it. And I was like, more shows, come talk to me. I want to hear more and spread the word about it. Because I feel like yes. if you're not in the theater world, you don't know how big this is and how cool things are there that get picked up, developed and and become these great works you know the number of shows and ideas that have come from it's magical yeah it's just a giant sandbox and i love it love it it is a giant sandbag sandbox that's a great way to put it and everybody is so but it doesn't feel like catty or cutthroat like everyone is hustling in the streets to promote their show and then you end up going to go see a million other shows because you met people in the street doing the same thing as you. It's magical. It's such like a theater bucket list for actors. It's great. So do you have any other uh, productions or projects coming on the pipeline that you want to, that we can talk about or plug? We've mentioned that hopefully season two of uh, Lip Sync um, Fables are, is going to be done. Hopefully. Fables. Posted with that. Um, but do you have any yes. projects or anything? Please, everybody, go watch it so we can get more views. Um, I'm in a uh, uh, there's a up and coming production company called Queensbird Films um, that's headed by Courtney Romano, who's brilliant, and she just did a web series um, that's called Kinsley Versus, and we're actually doing like a private screening of the whole series on Monday, which I cannot wait for. But I think it comes out in January because they're trying to do the festival circuit right now. Um, uh, and Kennedy actually is in that as well, but so it's called Kinsley versus in the main, it's sort of like, um, that Pixar movie inside out where the different voices in your head, but it's real life. So it's an, a woman who has a bunch of different voices that are manifest themselves as humans who are screaming their thoughts in her face. And it's, I'm very, very excited for it. I think it's super smart. So January Kinsley versus everybody be on the lookout for it. The cast is amazing. I think it'll be really wonderful. Amazing. And then I do want to just sneak this in there. Just 
some some petty advertising, I guess. But you are currently in Measure for Measure up uh, in the Berkshires at the Shakespeare Company. Yes, I'm currently playing Angelo in Measure for Measure at Shakespeare and Company in the Berkshires. Which, by the way, talking about theater community, like Berkshire Theater Festival is a five minute walk. Barrington Stage is here. Williamstown, I mean Tanglewood, like it's just a mecca of art here. So yes, I'm currently playing uh, Angelo. If you are around uh, and want to come see it, we run August 19th to September 18th. And I'm very proud of it. I think it's going to be good. I'm having a really good time. It's a nice long run there. Perfect escape from the heat in the city. Just head on up there. (laughs) It's so great. It's like idyllic. It's so great being up here. If our listeners want to get more information about uh, your show, The Lip Sync Fables, or they want to get more information about you or reach out to you, how can they do that? Okay, you can find um, the first four episodes are out. Maybe by the time you hear this, more will be out. But if you just go to YouTube and type in The Lip Sync Fables, you will find it. Or you can find the link on my Instagram or any um, behind-the-scenes stuff or updates and teasers for episodes on my Instagram which is David F. Gao on Instagram. Please check us out. The more views and subscribers we get, the more um, momentum we get towards the season two. And it's really, I promise, they're short and sweet and they're really funny. You will enjoy it. That's fantastic. Well, I, I am for sure going to get on and watch it. I, I, I leave for a trip here soon, but I know exactly what I'm watching while I'm at the airport. My wife and I are going to tune in. Yes, Exactly perfect. what we need. And I can think of several friends that need to see this as well. So... David, thank you so much for staying up late with us and joining us uh, this evening, letting us talk about your show. It's been an absolute joy speaking with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Andrew. And clearly we need to get together and swap more theater stories because I could could go all night. Oh my gosh, same here. My guest is... uh, Today has been David Gao, who is the producer, director, and actor of the YouTube series, The Lip Sync Fables. Make sure you go and check it out. Season one's out now. Um, At least the first three episodes are out. More coming on the way. Subscribe, watch them, share it with a friend. We're going to also be sharing a link to this. And you can find more information about David and the series as well on his Instagram at David F. Gao. And this will all be in the information for this episode as well on our social media. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep your masks on, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you'll find all the information about our backstage pass. 
Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.